Let the admonishing commence. This podcast is produced by medical professionals who also have type 1 diabetes. First and foremost, we are two type 1s trying to spread the word about life with diabetes. Please don't go off and do anything we discuss without first talking to your own diabetes care provider. Because it works for us doesn't mean it'll work for you. Sometimes it doesn't even work for us. You have been duly admonished. Now sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip. Oh, wait, wrong story. How about we just get comfortable and enjoy the ride? It's okay, I was all excited to make beans and then realized I didn't have any bacon, so there's no bacon in my beans. So what the hell did you make? Beans and green chili. Okay. And then you dump the cheese on top, is that? Mm-hmm, it's tortilla. Okay. Well, I'll call it my traditional Mexican mom meal. Gotcha. All right. Minus the bacon. Minus the bacon. All right. Okay. Wasn't aware my kid and her friend decided to eat bacon at 11 o'clock at night on Friday when they had a sleepover, so I was asleep. Okay. Well, no bacon for breakfast, but hey. Yeah. You got to go to bed with it, so. That's can't cool. win them all. You can't, you know. <laughs> Of course, as long as you weren't planning on making bacon for breakfast, you're all right. No, I wasn't. Okay. All right. Dr. Banting. Yeah. Poor Dr. Banting. He got screwed. Who's Dr. Banting? He's the man that, that discovered insulin. Sold it for a dollar. Sold it to Eli Lilly for a dollar so um. that those that were suffering in Canada could... Uh, you know, could live because they saw, you know, they saw the drastic change in people after he gave them insulin. I mean, like within 12 hours, they were looking better. And then within a month, they had fat again and muscle mass and wild. Um, and so he sold it to Lily, sold the rights to Lily so that they could mass produce it. Um, and then he ended up losing his privileges at the Toronto hospital. Yep. Because he was trying to help all those diabetic patients there and they didn't want him to do that hmm. i don't know the exact story but he lost his privileges uh, and then ended up dying in an airplane crash so royal air force he was flying back from england and plane crash so, i think that was planned but oh yeah was well, there, there's 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 a lot of um i think it was um conspiracy theory oh, yeah. about he was murdered but you know Different story for another day. It's a story for another day. That is true. So we talk about that for hours. Mm-hmm. What was your question, sir? Nothing. No questions. Yeah. No question is a bad question. I'm sure if you have it, somebody else has That's it. That's right. Somebody else out there has the same question. Are we recording now? Yeah. Are you doing your thing? You like? Yeah, he recorded the whole com- my yeah. whole bacon conversation. Okay, so. cool. That's, That's great. Cool. So you got these little like zingers and tidbits. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. By the way, the people that listen to our podcast, they were very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, this is our podcast. Welcome back. It's been a while, guys. It has been a while. Um, to tell you how um, out of it I am, I thought this was our first of the new year, but I've been told by my co-host that it's not. <laughs> so... But it's the second episode of the new year. So we were supposed to uh, meet on the 17th, and unfortunately, my JOB got in the way. Damn JOBs, I tell you. Um, 
So in fact, I was, I was uh, told I had to be on a conference call, and I know from history that that conference call could go over two and a half hours. Yeah. I did not want to uh, obligate myself and then not be able to do it. So, um, so it didn't happen. But I was um, bummed one because we were going to have guests, right? Didn't hadn't you yeah. arranged? So we're still going to have those guests, um, and we got to figure out when that's going to happen. But um, the seventeenth was my forty-second anniversary. So um, it's been a long time, and uh, but we're also going to celebrate today uh, Tisha's sort of anniversary. Since she knows she was diagnosed in February sometime, we have decided that Valentine's Day is an appropriate day for her anniversary. Yes. So, I've uh, been diabetic for 24 years. 24. Okay. 24. Wow. All right. So that puts us at uh, 66 for the both of us. Dang, that's a lot. That's a long time, yeah. We're ready to get retirement. Social Security. Yeah. Ooh. Cool. Um, yeah, so we, um, we've survived a while. Um, I've seen more things than you have changed, but um, for 24 years, I saw the same changes you have. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I was bummed because I, I kind of like celebrating my anniversary to say F you to diabetes. This is another year. Um, and if you listen to Paul's podcast um, back in November, uh, he uh, he kind of promotes the leveling up as a game reference that we have leveled up. So I've leveled up to level 42 and you've made level 24. Um, and it takes us a year to level up. So, But it's still a big F you to diabetes. Uh, every day that we get up and are able to take our insulin and test our blood sugars and do our best with what we have every day that's a that's still a big fu every day uh, so if you're getting up and doing your best and that's all we can ask of you uh, nobody should ask any more then you are uh, you're killing it so, yeah you know do what you got to do to uh, to make it happen and there's good days and there's bad days um and i know tish has had bad days and i've had bad days over the last few months and um I got my A1C back for the last quarter, and it was nine. I haven't been nine since I've been in New Mexico over the last three years. Well, see, that's where all that New Mexican food comes in, you know? No, it was the prednisone and the cellulitis and the open wound on my leg. Yeah. That tend to do it. And then the second bout of cellulitis. <laughs> um, so. What's an A1C? Trevor, where have you been, my friend? <laughs> I thought you'd been paying attention up to this point. Yeah. So, um, so the A1C is a measure of your uh, blood sugar over a three-month period. It's right. um, so the hemoglobin, your red blood cells. Right. Um, the the glucose attaches huh. to to the red blood cell, and if you have an excess of glucose in your blood, then your red blood cells will have an excess excess of glucose attached to them. Mm -hmm. So think about a um, a donut that doesn't have any icing, and no. then think of a donut that has icing yeah. with a little bit of sprinkle, mm -hmm. uh, and then think about one that. And from, think of the Homer Simpson donut. Like the what? The Homer Simpson donut. The Homer Simpson. Right. I was just thinking of Amy's donut. Think of any donut at Amy's. Uh, if you have an Amy's donut near you, you understand um, they are um, um, decadent. Uh, and over the top, and um, they try were, the Cookie Monster one. The Cookie Monster one, the Elmo one's good too. Yeah, um, and the bacon molasses chili one, really good. 
Um, but they also require a lot of insulin. <laughs> uh, but so if you, if you think about that, uh, a high A1C, and the A1C should be seven or less, um, a high A1C, nine or better, uh, is the cookie monster donut. Um, now the good thing about that is you got three months to fix it. So, um, and I know that mine was because I was in the hospital, I had an open wound on my leg that was infected and not healing, which impacts your blood sugars and, um, and got that fixed. And then I got another bout of cellulitis and went to the doc and said, you know, last time we did this, uh, they gave me prednisone, which automatically raises your blood sugars. And I said, well, I'd rather get rid of the cellulitis and deal with the high blood sugar than not get rid of the cellulitis or have to go to the hospital to get rid of the cellulitis. Um, so they, they um, acquiesced and gave me the prednisone and um, during that time I couldn't get it below 200 but um, if I know why it's above 200 I'm happy. So and the prednisone only lasted five days and took care of the problem but that impacted the overall blood sugar in that three month period and so um, and then stress, uh, just a lot of stress at work because Omicron raised its ugly head and uh, we had a lot of cases and um, just a lot of things going on. So stress causes blood sugar to go up too. And so I wasn't happy to hear that it was nine, but I wasn't surprised given the circumstances, the circumstances of this last quarter. So, uh, and uh, you got another three months to figure it out. Uh, but at the same time, my time in range was almost 70%. Nice. Yeah. So, and that's the new measurement is time in range is to say, um, what's the percentage of your blood sugar that's where it should be um, as far as acceptable range. So for a diabetic, it's not, it's not even close to what a non-diabetic is, but we have an acceptable range and mine's 70 to 180. So almost 70% of the time I was within there. Um, and most of, actually the so 30% left, 15% was under and 50% was over. And that's not bad at all. No, that's not bad. Um, so the time and range worked out nicely and um, I'm not too worried about the A1C. It'll change. So, um, and you know, I've, I've gotten it below nine. Like I said, first time in three years that I've been at nine. I mean, I've been, since I've been here, I've been 6.2 to 7.5 to 8, but most of those high numbers are from uh, stress. So um, bloody stress is just bad. There's nothing you can do about it. So um, yeah, so were we talking about this guy yet? No. Okay. No. Um, so before we talk about um, this guy here in front of me, who's on paper, not in front of me, um, let's do our disclaimer. <laughs> so if you've, you've stayed with us this long, you know that we are two medical professionals who talk about diabetes because we have diabetes and we don't know anything else to talk about when we get together. Um, we have to change that. We got to talk about some other things. Um, but please, uh, if we say something that you think is interesting and you'd like to try, by all means, try it. But talk to your healthcare professional first, the person that manages your diabetes and ask them what they think. Uh, and then if you don't like what they think and you go ahead and try it, well, then it's on you. Don't say we did it and we told you to do it because we're not telling you to do it because sometimes it doesn't work for us either. Yep. Uh, and we don't tell you those things. So we only tell you when it works. Um, so, but please uh, take what we say with a grain of salt and um, 
do your own research and investigating. Only you know your body, uh, your healthcare provider uh, is part of the partnership of managing your diabetes, but it's your body, it's your diabetes, um, and you know it the best. So um, keep having conversations with them, but um, see what we have to say and maybe take some of what we have to say away and find your happiness. That was our disclaimer. So, um, had who's that guy? Who's that guy? Yeah. Um, so we have a very dapper-looking gentleman um, in a sort of sepia yeah. black and white. He's you cute. You don't think he's dapper? I think he's dapper. I don't know what that means, but he's cute. Okay. You think he's dapper? He's quite dapper. He's quite dapper. Yeah. Uh, he's a doctor. I have no idea what dapper is, by the way. So I'm like, yeah, he's cute. Um, good-looking in a fashionable way. Yeah. Yeah. Dapper. Okay. Yeah, you have to look that one up. Um, he's well, a doctor. Yes, he is. Mother's dream. Yeah. So very true. Um, but he died penniless, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, that was his hot. fault. What you get for selling something so cheap? Yeah, yeah. He was trying. That's what happens when you try to do something good. Uh, so we're talking about Dr. Frederick Banting, who uh, discovered insulin. Um, and changed the lives literally of diabetics and that was um january 11th 1922 he made that discovery um, in his bedroom actually uh, he was studying dog pancreases and um, found that when they took the pancreas out of the dog the dog did not do well he developed diabetes which they didn't have really understanding of um, they didn't know what the pancreas really did as far as that, uh, or what the the uh, islet cells did. They hadn't even been named yet. Um, and he figured all that out and said, you know, and I think it was the Toronto Hospital, um, which is where he was associated. I uh, said, we have a whole ward of people that have diabetes and they're dying. They're, they're emaciated and um, they have no muscle mass or fat and uh, they're dying. They, they look like they're starving to death because they really were. They were they were in ketosis. They were in ketoacidosis, um, and so their body was um, eating itself away. Hmm. And so he took this insulin and crushed it up and put it in some solution and put it in a syringe and ran over to the hospital and uh, he found Leonard Thompson, who was 14 years old at the time and gravely ill. He was literally on death's door. And he said, hey, Leonard, let's try this. Can't hurt. <laughs> You're already dying, dude. So uh, they did, and it worked. And his blood sugars came down, and he started to get healthy. Like, the next day, he In was In 24 healthy. hours. Yeah, he was healthy. Um, so Dr. Banting said, I think I have something. Now, Dr. Banting wasn't the only one. He um, had Dr. Best and... Uh, and another associate, but he's the primary person that was responsible. And so um, Eli Lilly came along, they were manufacturing medications at the time, um, still are, and he said, hey, you can mass produce this more than we can in our little lab. Uh, and we've got a lot of people in the, in the country, Canada at the time, who um, are dying of diabetes. And why don't you go ahead and mass produce it and I will sell it to you for a dollar so that you can do that, and you have the, you have the formula, etc., and um, make the world better. And Eli Lilly did just that. They went out and they mass produced it, and they made 
trillions upon trillions of dollars and made their bank accounts better. Now, did they help a lot of diabetics? Yes, they did. Um, I don't even know in 1922 what the cost of insulin was. Um, and in Canada, it probably wasn't anything because they had health care. Um, <laughs> but uh, we know what the cost of insulin is now. And uh, man, Dr. Banting made no money off of his discovery. Uh, and um, shortly thereafter, he was on a flight and he was in the Royal Air Force. Um, and he was on a flight back from London, I believe it was, uh, and the plane crashed. And so we lost Dr. Banting. Uh, so who knows what he could have uh, accomplished uh, for diabetes, because that was something he was obviously very interested in. Uh, so uh, we do celebrate that, and we would have celebrated that on the 11th of January. So thank you, Dr. Banting, for keeping us alive another day, every day. Um, we know you had nothing to do with the greed that's associated <laughs> with uh, the production of insulin. Uh, certainly is greed. Um, so there's a Banting house up in, in Canada, um, and it's a really cool place. It's his house. Um, they have a, an eternal flame there. And it's oh, a that's really, cool. Really cool place. I've never been, but I've seen I've seen people that have been there. And they, you know, God bless modern technology, Instagram, and the internet, and things you can see pretty much whatever you want to see. Mm -hmm. So, um, so did you ever learn about Dr. Banting when you were first diagnosed? No. I did not. So you didn't get the Diabetes 101 class? No, either. I got the Pink Panther class. The Pink Panther, yeah, the Pink Panther class with all the symptoms and things? Yeah, yeah. and the workbook, uh -huh. yes. I still use that in my education. It's, the, it's so amazing. So what we're talking about is the uh, <laughs> hyper and hypo symptoms, and mm -hmm. they use the Pink Panther <laughs> as How? pictures. Well, it's just pictures okay. of showing, cool. you know, do you have any, do you have something? Um, I might. So, so like a little info movie? No, it's, no, just it's a sheet a book. of paper. It was okay. a whole book, but there's a sheet of paper, and it's like when he, sh you know, your blood sugar's low, you shake, and they show him shaking and oh, he's uh, like or on sweating. Amazon. And you can I'm gonna buy, buy you Amazon. one. Yeah. Oh, cool. Wild coolness. So it's like helping you to understand diabetes. I had this one. I had that book. Oh, nice. I've seen that book, but and I then don't. it's so cool because it's like a workbook for kids, and you just right. do all the activities in there, mm -hmm. and it helps you learn about things. It was a big part of my diabetes growth. What was the next big development after Doctor Banting? The next big development, yeah, um, in diabetes treatment. What was the kind um, of next step? I would say that how they produced the insulin because first they used the pigs and the cows and then they went to the bacteria the well yeah so i mean they first started with with dogs yeah i mean because there was then, an excess of you know dog pancreases because they were study animals mm -hmm. um and then they realized because they had to find a suitable compatible um insulin uh, and they found out that pigs and cows had a compatible insulin for the human body. Mm -hmm. um, not identical. No, but they're compatible in a lot of things we well, use. Yeah, um, the, but they were close enough. Mm -hmm. um, and that that went on to, I mean, so I was diagnosed in 1980, mm -hmm. and there was beef, beef pork in 1980. Um, so there was beef, and there was pork, and then there was beef pork. There was a combination, too. Um, and the pork is actually the closest to the human body. Was beef insulin like the discount one? No, mm -mm. no, they were, and I, I mean, so back in 1980, I think my parents paid like five bucks 
for a bottle of insulin. Um, which I guess at the time they thought that was expensive. I don't know. Um, it probably was. If you think about it, how much they were making hourly. I mean, it's like well, my parents did okay. gas prices. No, so. Well, my parents did okay. No. I compare but prescriptions. Yeah, average person. Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, I, did, I have to do that research. But yeah, it was like I remember it was like five bucks. I remember going into the grocery store to get it, and you know, handed the pharmacist five dollars. <laughs> um, that covered it. And that I mean, that was syringes too, so it was probably less than five dollars. Oh, that was like a whole kit. Yeah. So. Nice. Um, so that was yeah. So going into alternate types, and then in the eighties, late eighties, they came with an RNA um, uh, recombinant, which is a bacteria. They use a bacteria and turn it into insulin. Cool. Um, and that got it um, pretty close, almost identical mm-hmm. to human insulin. So it was called Humulin. Mm. Um, uh, or um, that was Lily's brand, Humulin. And then Novolog made Novolin. Uh, those were the two big manufacturers. When was that? 80s. 80s. Some point, eight, late 80s. Um, and uh, that was a big change because it was more refined and so it worked a little better. Worked a lot faster. Uh, when we talk about faster is when you take it, how long after you take it does it start to work? Right. Um, and that's, you know, for you, you started on a Humulin, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the analogs hadn't come out yet. Um, but you started on Humulin, but I started on beef and pork. And so you had to inject 15 to 30 minutes before you were ready to eat. Um, and so that was okay when you were home. But if you went out, you know, you, you pretty much took it as soon as you sat down. But if the kitchen got backed up or something happened, well, now you got insulin on board and you don't have any food. Um, and so you, you had to plan. You had to really know when you were going to eat and, um, or just deal with the high blood sugar afterwards. You know, and I, I didn't always take my blood, take my insulin as prescribed. I usually took it like five minutes before the meal came. <laughs> um, and, you know, at that point, I was only testing urine, so it really didn't matter. I, we had no idea what blood sugar was because it was tested in urine. Um, so, and as far as diabetes management, that was the next big thing, was getting a glucose meter of some sort um, to get something to actually give you a number. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Between those two, those are the important things. And then after that came the analogs, where um, it's totally synthetic, uh, and it is identical. Um, and they say it costs a lot more to do that, but they've been doing it for years now. Uh, that, that cost has been absorbed. Uh, and it's saving, you know, it's a life-saving drug. We, we can't do without it. There is no alternative. There's no magic cure. There's no cucumber powder or whatever. Nope. There are no options, and so, um, it shouldn't be an issue, and, and I know that there are other conditions out there where um, they're they're in the same same boat, and you know uh, none of those none none of our conditions that are life threatening if you don't take your medication should should be based on how much it costs. You don't get your meds because uh, you can't afford it. Uh, there's too many people that um, can't afford it. The first glucose monitor came out in 1970. 
and they didn't discover hemoglobin until the late 1970s. Yeah. What does cucumber powder cure? Um, there's some some stuff out there that says if you eat cucumbers and take your cinnamon powder and um, combinations of all these food-based things um, that your diabetes will go away. Okay. Um, our diabetes is like one will not go away unless you give us a new pancreas. Right. Yeah, no, I've even had like people like pray over me because they thought that if they prayed over me. But then it was your fault. You, you didn't believe enough. That's why you did. Oh, yeah. It was totally my fault. That came yep. back into my face and I was just like, mm -hmm. okay. Yep, you didn't believe enough. Or you didn't believe at all, period. Not, yeah. not enough. You didn't believe at all. Mm, I believe in God 100%. But, so do I, but you can't. But my pancreas does not work. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it's not going to. And right. That's something I've understood my whole life. But in that situation, it was just easier to let them do what they had to do than just let them pray. To you know, because you know, it might them. work. Yeah. It if might God work, wants like, your pancreas to work, it might work. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. It's not going to hurt. Um, but yeah, then they turn it around on you. You didn't believe, so yeah, I that's why it didn't it. work. Not a true believer because it didn't uh, work. So. Yep, didn't work. Um, so some people have to have conditions. Mm -hmm. Period. That's how it is. You know, obviously we didn't ask for it. Neither we talked about our, our origin stories. Neither one of us asked for it. Um, didn't do anything to get it. It just is. it just happens. Yeah, we were just the lucky ones. We got the lucky straw. Um, so there's an article here from uh, Medscape. I get a lot of my stuff from Medscape. Um, and uh, it's been 100 years <laughs> since insulin. Uh, and there's still folks out there that can't afford it. Uh, and across the world. Uh, but there's people here in the United States that can't afford insulin. Yeah. Parents can't afford it for their kids. Um, you know, I, uh, I will say that President Biden did write into the Build Back Better plan the um, $35 cap, which won't start till next year um, for insulin. And hopefully the Congress people will not strike that line. And I don't think they will because they've been pushing it for so many years now to cap insulin costs. Um, but there are still people out there um, who are saying, well, that's ridiculous. You know, how can you not afford insulin? You know, why does it have to be capped? And well, because it's expensive. Uh, it is. Um, when there are people choosing between groceries, gas and electric, gasoline, um, you know, over taking their insulin and or not taking enough insulin and, and going into ketoacidosis and um, and dying uh, because they can't get their life saving uh, medication. I've heard of people not eating what they need to eat because they're trying to save insulin, so mm -hmm. they're eating one meal a day so that their insulin will last them until they could afford to purchase more. Right, right. So you you don't eat any carbs. Nope. Uh, you eat minimal protein. You know. So what's protein? The most expensive thing on your diet. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing that you should eat. So prior to um, Banting's discovery, the um, recommended treatment was a high fat, like almost 100% fat diet. Oh. Um, because it digested the last, you know, as long, the longest in your digestive tract. Yeah. Uh, didn't spike your blood sugars, um, but also didn't give you protein or carbohydrates. 
uh, which your brain needs carbohydrates to function, um, and you need protein to uh, to make muscles. Mm-hmm. And so, without those things, your body starts eating away at itself. Um, the fat doesn't um, sustain the body; it does give it some nutrient. But uh, so that was the uh, it was the ketogenic diet, really. Um, but you know, then we got insulin, and people weren't allowed to eat again. Now we've learned about carb counting, and you know, before carb counting was um, the exchange list, which was kind of neat. You got this book when you were diagnosed. You got this book of um, of foods, and it told you how much was a serving, uh, and then your dietitian or your educator um, gave you a list and said you get X number of carbohydrates for breakfast and X number of proteins and X number of milk and fat. And then you went through the book and you kind of like just matched it up. You know, it's sort of like, you know, those books that um, um, have like the head and then the shoulders and then the waist and you kind of make the different outfits by turning the pages. Yes. Okay. Uh, Similar for breakfast, you know, for for your meals. And they're actually, um, the ADA produced a cookbook like that. That's cool. Um, it'll be arriving when 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 my <laughs> things get here. Um, it's a pretty cool cookbook, actually. You can mix and match your meals uh, like that. But it's the same thing with the with the exchange list. Was okay. You get X number of carbohydrates, and you know that generally a carbohydrate is a half a cup of something. And if you get three carbohydrates, well, then you get one and a half cups. Um, and so if you played it right, you can have a really big meal. If you only did one exchange of each thing versus three exchanges or four exchanges of one thing um, so you can have a plate full of food yeah <laughs> um, or you could have a plate full of big things and less food um, but it all worked it all counted it was the same thing um, but then they went they learned that insulin um, it m- takes care of carbohydrates not the other things I mean in the background it does but the the direct impact is on carbohydrates and so they started with let's figure out the ratio how much does one unit of insulin affect 15 grams of carbohydrate or one gram of carbohydrate um, and then so you have this ratio now and you know that if this thing is 60 grams of carbohydrate you know how much insulin to take and generally it's accurate um, you know it, it does take some trial and error and you have to f- work with it um, but it is pretty much very accurate um, and then throw in the the cgm or the flash mm-hmm. glucose monitor um you got the libre 2 now right yeah okay so it's constant um so cgm for for the doobies uh, that was my term doobie new new diabetics doobies uh, not to be confused with the doobies um so don't be raising your eyebrows i'm not that made <laughs> me think of scream Okay. And the police officer, the brother, uh-huh. Doobie. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I just... <laughs> uh, so, but having the ability to know what your blood sugar is at an instant and not having to wait, you know, uh, some of those uh, in the early days were like two minutes. Ew. Because, you, yeah, you, you had to get a f- free hanging drop of blood. You couldn't touch the strip. And I had to drop one to the strip, and then you had to wait... <laughs> 60 seconds or something and then you wipe you had you had this little um like uh, restaurant ketchup squirt bottle except it was small 
you had the, the long spout on it, you know, you filled it with water and you wiped the strip off and then you had to dry it off without ripping the reagent strip off. So if you pushed too hard or wiped too hard, the strip would come off and you had to start all over again. Um, and then you had to compare it. It was a pain in the ass. It was. It was a pain in the ass. And those were the good days. So before that, you had your chemistry set where you had to test your urine. Um, Fun with pee. Yeah. Um, that, yeah <laughs> was, and that's at that point, you're like, you're at a restaurant, you're like, screw it. I'm mm -hmm. just going to take insulin. Uh, <laughs> we're just going to do it. Um, but, you know, with the new technology now, we know at a second what our blood sugar is. Um, and then if you're fortunate to um, have a pump of some sort, um, you know what your blood sugar is, you know what your ratios are, you know what you're eating, you input that information into the pump. And it does the math and it for you. does it, yeah. And, and next thing you know, your body is getting insulin. Um, and that was the weirdest sensation for me when I first got the pump, not taking insulin. It's like, I checked my blood sugar, mm -hmm. you know, and I did the calculation and all that, put it in. And then I went to eat, and I'm like, oh, i got to take my insulin. Oh, wait, no, it's already in. Yeah. It's already delivered. Um, that was just a weird sensation because I, for 40 years, I've been taking insulin. You know, that was the process. You tested, you drew it up, and you gave your insulin. And to, to remove that from the process was just really weird. It, it had really to get weird. some getting used to for you. It was. I did. I was really used to getting used to it. Um, and now I'm, I'm completely used to it. Um, so... Um, which is pretty cool. So you're still you're still poking, right? Yep. Okay. All right, but you got the CGM, so you know, you're okay. I saw it on your arm. I know you got it. I got it. So um, I'm using it. Okay. The pump. Okay. And Maybe another century. I uh, I never thought I would get a pump either. Um, just uh, and that's why I like the Omnipod. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason was the pump was the, was the tubing. Yeah. So, and the Omnipod is. Uh, works for me because I'm not tied to a tube um, very true although this is where I have it right now is um the seat belt hits it <laughs> oh no oh, oh this is very uncomfortable yeah <laughs> um, so I, I have pulled it off once because of the seat belt so it just got under it ouch yeah uh, so uh, but it, 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 it that that's the the greatest technology and then there's a thing called looping and there's um I'm only aware of one pump that, that loops. loops and the one that I'm aware of is the T-Slim yes so we are not we are not sponsored by T-Slim no um, we're not but, I think that's like the only pump I would wear yeah, is a T-Slim and I think that's the only one that loops and so what looping is um, is it communicates with the CGM and they talk and it knows and it will give you your insulin based on what your blood sugar is you don't have to interact with it um, once you get it all set up, and it takes like a month to do to figure it out. Um, and if your blood sugar is dropping, it stops your insulin, which is that that's all one on of the own. big problem. Yeah, is like stopping the insulin. Um, but it knows, and it also so the the CGMs are smart now. They they're kind of predictable. They know where you're headed, uh, and so it knows where you're headed, and it can stop the insulin so that you don't go too low. And then start it back up when your blood sugar starts to go back up. Hmm. Um, and th here's the cool thing about that: the looping um, software 
I don't know if there's more than one, but the original looping software, if there is more than one, was created by diabetic parents, parents of diabetic children mm -hmm. um, who were engineers and said there's got to be a better way. That, you know, we're in the 21st, 21st century now? 20, uh, yeah. Yeah, 21st. Sure, yeah, we'll say it's that. So we're in the 21st century and this is as good as it gets. We still have to interact. Why can't it be better? And so they did what they knew how to do and created this software. It's open source. Um, T-Slim was um, okay with it. Yeah, I don't know that they endorse it, but they don't stop it. Um, and so now other companies, other pump and CGMs are looking to develop that kind of relationship yeah. um, to, uh, to help diabetics with the looping is really, um, really an advance. So it's almost AI, almost. Almost, um, it's not there quite yet, but. So, uh, so that, that's, you know, that's how far we've come. Um, when you think about, uh, we started out with um, doing chemistry tests on urine and crushing up dog pancreases. So, and when you think, you know, well, where did all this yeah. come from? Whenever you went to the grocery store and you bought a filet mignon or a pork chop, well, those animals were butchered, and they have to do something, you know, they don't just throw away the other organs. Um, and so the pancreases were sent, well, not sent, they were probably purchased by Lily, um, and they went and were made into insulin. Um, so, um, so when you think about what's happening in the, where they, they slaughter, animals know that those animals at some point were were saving lives uh, while they were feeding you dinner the ones that were donors at least those were donors well, i guess if they checked the box i don't know about like free-range animals what happens to their pancreas but um so they don't they don't um they're probably healthier <laughs> they still make um some animal based because there are people that can't take um, the synthetic stuff, they're allergic to it. Um, and so uh, they, what they did find was that the pork insulin had a low rate of allergy. Um, and so that was a big problem too. There weren't a lot of people, but there were people that were anaphylactically allergic to insulin. Now you got a problem, you got diabetes and you can't take insulin. Um, so, um, so it was good to, to come up with the synthetic stuff in the RDNA, uh, RNA. RDNA, the RNA um, recombinant insulins um, because there were people that couldn't take insulin and their lives are even worse because they couldn't take the cure. Um, so uh, so that was our history of diabetes. Artificial insulin. Artificial insulin, yeah. I mean, that's where we are now and um, that's where we need to be. And, and so um, they are working on stem cells, um, derived pancreatic cells, uh, versus <clears throat> uh, harvesting pancreatic cells from uh, usually cadaver or even from an um, autonomous sort of like family member um, that's compatible with you and then implanting them into you. Um, but the problem with that is that's just like an organ transplant. Uh, your body's going to reject it. And so either they have to figure out, and then these are things they're doing though, how to encapsulate it so that the body can't fight it. Uh, but it, that it works and that it is um, reproducible so that it grows and 
so that it's automatic, that it reacts to high blood sugars. And does the job it's supposed to do. It does the job it's supposed to do. Um, and now they're looking at stem cell derived pancreatic cells. They were able to take stem cells and make them into pancreatic cells. And the beauty of a stem cell is it doesn't get rejected. Yeah. Um, and so that's where we're headed now is, is implanting stem cells, stem cell derived pancreatic cells uh, into bodies and they will reproduce. On their own? On their own and make not a new pancreas, but um, they, they would encapsulate it so that it, they know where it is. That's cool. Um, and it will function like a pancreas uh, or that part of the pancreas. Because our pancreases aren't dead. No. The pancreas does other things. It makes other hormones and, and um, chemicals. Uh, it's just the, the insulin that it doesn't do. So this the stem cells would only make insulin. They wouldn't take over the rest of the pancreas because it's our pancreas still work. Um, so that's really cool going into the future i mean this is happening now they're they're, they're planning uh, research or planning um trials they've that's got the cool. research done they're looking at trials so um and if you're interested in trials um for well for anything but diabetes particularly um TrialNet is the place to go again we're not sponsored by TrialNet, uh, but TrialNet's the place to go and they they list trials for everything that's out there um, some of these trials are paid, some of them are not, but um, they usually include free medical care and medication for whatever. And a lot of them for the diabetes things, you know, they'll give you your testing supplies and your insulin and um, and whatever they're trust whatever they're testing. Um, so TrialNet is something to look at um, if you're interested in being part of the research, and um, especially if you live in a research type area, um, the bigger cities. The, the Raleigh area, um, Baltimore, D.C., um, California, Texas. They've got a big research place, too. Um, Albuquerque, not so much. No. <laughs> um, so that is something to, uh, you know, to keep in mind if, if you want to be part of that. Um, so uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is um, artificial pancreas is life-changing in kids with type 1 diabetes. Um, so, and when they're talking about the artificial pancreas, they're talking about looping. Um, that they, what their research is finding is that um, children with type one diabetes are responding well to looping uh, because they're taking it's taking the the responsibility. So you remember how tough it was, yeah, as a kid, um, having to think like a pancreas twenty four seven. And by the way, that's a good book, Think Like a Pancreas. Um, so uh, that's cool though because. That helps ease parents mm -hmm. too while they're at work if they have to work or right. with the other kids and they're not right. just yeah. focused on their one child with diabetes. And exactly. If they have multiple children with diabetes, um, I know the T Slim comes with an app and the parents could see everything mm -hmm. on their app for each. Right, right. So they can, they can um, helicopter, hover over their child remotely without their kid knowing without their kid knowing provided they don't call them and say what did you do why did your blood sugar go up um you know why is it responding but uh hopefully parents aren't doing that um so oh, they're so doing that yeah i know they are i was just being kind um <laughs> like but you know they're they're finding that these kids a1c's uh are better managed they're they're where they should be they're stable um even through um early puberty where it's kind of tough 
um, these these looping devices are are helping them manage that. And we know that as children, they're, they're still in that developmental phase. And if you have hyperglycemia during those developmental phases, you're going to have some type of developmental, I don't say delay, but Reaction. you're not going to develop as well as you should. You know, you're still going to be healthy, one hopes. Um, but the, the hyperglycemia will impact how your child um, you know, ultimately develops their whatevers. Um, so try and keep blood sugars as, as stable as possible. You know, but again, there are no perfect days, um, even with looping. Uh, you know, things happen. Uh, so the other thing was uh, quality of sleep um, for both the children and the parents, because the the looping system maintains the blood sugar. They don't parents don't have to worry about them dropping overnight. Yeah. Um, and, and not being uh, conscious. Um, and the kid, one, doesn't have to worry about mom and dad coming in, waking them up because they're dropping. Uh, if they've got you know a remote CGM, not talk outside of looping, yeah. um, and having them to wake them up and, and to get them um, back to normal, to their blood sugars normal again. Uh, or the other side of that is the hyperglycemia, uh, where you know, you're getting up every hour because you gotta go pee. Oh, and that that ruins your sleep too. I mean, I know for myself, that's yeah, for me too. It's like ugh, my blood sugar is high. I'm yeah. not supposed to be getting up. <laughs> uh, right, I'm not supposed to be getting up, and and um, you know, I know I'm I'm still experiencing dawn phenomenon um, even after adjusting my pump settings. For some oh, yeah, reason. it's so hard for me too. Like cause I wake up when my dawn happens. My dawn mm-hmm. phenomenon happens, so yeah. I wake up about five thirty. Yeah. And that's when it happens for me. Yeah. So I'll go and I'll correct, but then an hour I'm low because I yeah. knew better to correct, but because I was half asleep. Yeah. I still correct it. Um, yeah, and so um, I know Trevor's going to ask what's dawn phenomenon. <laughs> right, Trevor? Wait, do you remember what it is? I, I could guess it's where there's this thing in the morning that makes your blood sugar go in? In, where's it coming out from? Where's it going into is what I want to know. <laughs> the pump. What's Dawn Phenomenon? Okay, so we'll give you Dawn. You wanna tell them what Dawn Phenomenon is? Tell me what Dawn Phenomenon is. Dawn Phenomenon is, uh, okay, so this is how I would explain it to my child is when your (laughs) blood sugar randomly goes high for no reason at Mm -hmm. all in the morning doesn't matter it's going to happen to you whether no matter what it is no matter what time it is it'll happen to you at the same time every day almost just about around the same time within the hour around dawn it happens around around dawn dawn. (laughs) your blood sugar goes high for no reason Mm -hmm. but your body automatically um corrects itself so you don't need to correct it, but it happens more mm. often than not so, to diabetics. Um, <laughs> so we don't get any nasty um, emails. Um, I'm going to correct some of the things you said, but most of the things you were right. Um, doesn't not it doesn't happen for no reason. It happens for a reason. So it's called dawn phenomenon because at dawn, around that hour between four and six, um, your body's ready to get is starting to get ready to get up. And so it's pumping in all these hormones to get your body going. Mm. And those hormones raise your blood sugar um, so that 
you can get up. But in your body, Trevor's body, you good? Mm-hmm. Okay. Somebody we should know about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Casper paid us a visit, guys. <laughs> creeped out. Um, Trevor. Your pancreas kicks in insulin to manage the rise in blood sugar. Um, and so six o'clock comes and you get up and your body's ready to go. It has fuel and energy, but we don't have that. So when those things happen, all those hormones, growth hormone and adrenaline and all those things get kicked in. Um, if we don't have enough insulin on board, our long-term insulin or the right settings on our pump, um, then it goes up and we suffer dawn phenomenon. and. Uh, and then we go corrected, and depending on how sensitive you are, or um, what you've, uh, you know, um, what you've done through the night, your blood sugars could drop. And now you're battling that problem. Um, and then you go and fix that problem, and you go into another problem. Since we're talking about diabetic terms, we'll talk about Samoiki. <laughs> oh, bless you. Thank you. Samoigi. Yeah. Um, I don't know who the gentleman was. Is a Mr. Samoigi or Dr. Samoigi. Um, it's an over treatment. So you rebound. Oh. So you go low. So, well, you're up here, you're up high, and you treat, and you come down, and now you're low, and then you don't do the 15 minute, 15 gram thing. You do the 60 gram. 10 minute thing? 10 minute thing, and then another 60 grams, and now you go back up. And that's called Samoigi. Um, and so it's just it's a rebound. Um, it's a roller or, coaster. Roller coaster. Or um, you don't treat it and your body actually kicks in. Your liver kicks in and produces glucose. Mm-hmm. Um, but because you don't have the insulin to stop that spike, it goes back up. Um, so that, that too is smoggy. Um, yeah. Never heard that term before until uh-huh. today, but that's interesting. So you learn something every day. Yeah. So for all you doobies, you've learned Dawn Phenomenon and Samoigi and Dr. Banting. So we've got the three things that you've learned. Um, so that was, um, you know, so looping is really cool. And if, if you're interested, just do, do a Google search for... Um, T-Slim. T-Slim looping. and looping. Um, and if you just want to learn about it, it's really interesting to hear how it developed and where it's going. and. Um, and if you're into that tech kind of stuff, because it is open source and you do have to change um, the components of the pump. It's not an automatic thing. You do have to do some computing and all of that. But if that's something you're into, look into it if you didn't know about it. Um, I'm just going to read this because it, this really blows my mind. We're, we've talked earlier about greed, Lily. You know, taking the dollar from we're giving the dollar to Dr. Banting and um, and you know making billions of dollars. Uh, so this came out um, February third. Uh, again, it was on Medscape, but uh, it is a news story, and the title is "Novo Rejects U.S. Insulin Price Hikes Report Has Nothing to Hide." Hmm. We'll see about that. So Novo Nordisk on Wednesday rejected allegations by a U.S. Congressional Investigative Committee that it has engaged in maneuvers to increase net prices on life-saving insulin in tandem with competitors on the U.S. market. What do you think about that? Yeah. 
Mm, yeah. The report by the House Oversight Committee, the main investigative body of the U.S. House of Representatives, alleged that Novo had raised its insulin drug prices to the detriment of diabetes patients between 2001 and 2019. Just in that period? Just in one decade? Uh, I think somebody needs to do more research. Uh, referring to Novo, Eli Lilly and Sanofi, which account for some 90% of the U.S. insulin market, the report released in December cited internal documents saying the three drug makers had intentionally and strategically raised their prices in lockstep. No, say it isn't so. Will <laughs> uh, yeah. these people ever learn? An Eli Lilly spokesperson said at the time of the report that the company offers discounts to make its insulin affordable. A Sanofi spokesperson said the price of its insulin product, Lantus, had declined by almost 45% since 2012. I never saw that decline, and I was on Lantus. Um, And yes, they do have um, assistance programs, but it's limited. you know, and people like, well, you and me, you have insulin resistance too. Yeah, I do. Um, and I had it really bad when I was back on the East Coast. Um, they only sent me X number of bottles of insulin, regardless of how much I needed. That's all they were going to send. So, yes, was that helpful? It was. But I was getting insulin from them every 15 days. And I really wasn't getting it from them because the clinic where I went was giving me their supply for 15 days until I could order it again because they'd only do it once a month regardless of how much I needed. Um, so had I just lived on what they gave me, I would have been rationing and, and doing the things that we talked about, um, you know, limiting your intake and all that. Um, and on Wednesday, Novo's chief executive, Lars Jorgensen, denied the Danish company had engaged in such activities. Mm. We have nothing to hide. We feel we have done business in the right way in the U.S., Jorgensen said. Can you do it in his voice? No, <laughs> I, I can't do the okay. Swedish chef thing. Okay. Sorry. Um, you're welcome to try if you'd like. No. Okay. Um, you know, I'm not going to try. <laughs> uh, our net pricing is actually declining quite significantly, Jorgensen said, adding, for quite some years, pricing has been going down on insulin, not going up. Have you seen that? No, not at all. Yeah, I've never had the pharmacist go, oh, look, the price has gone down $20. Never seen that. Um, Sounds like your pharmacist has something to hide. (laughs) I can't blame them. Um, The report contained graphs. That's cool. I looked. I couldn't find the graphs. I was looking for the graphs. I thought it would be cool to see them. Uh, Showing how Novo has raised the price on its rapid-acting insulin Novolog. Ready for this? By 628%. Since 2001, by hiking it 28 times, the price rises occurred in almost perfect lockstep with rival Eli Lilly's Humalog insulin product. Now, didn't he just say that the price really has gone down between 2001 and 2019? Yep. I think he's got a skewed perception of up and down and 628%. That's just, uh, I, I, I can't fathom that. So similarly, Novo raised its price for its long-acting insulin, Levermere, 18 times by a total of 360% between 2006 and 2019. This happened in tandem with Sanofi's price hikes on its Atlantis product, the report said. 
As companies raised prices on their drugs, internal data shows that net prices, prices after accounting for all discounts and rebates, also increased for, increased for most of the drugs, the U.S. report stated. Net prices for all of the drugs examined are significantly higher today than at launch. However, in its annual report on Wednesday, Novo said net prices on its insulin product portfolio in the U.S. have decreased by double-digit percentages every year since 2017. Well, now we're getting closer to 2019, where they've been continuing to raise the prices. In an emailed statement to Reuters, Novo said the list price of Novolog had risen 403% between 2001 and 2018, more than 200 percentage points less than presented by the U.S. report, while its net price had risen just 28% in the same period. But it still went up 403%. But they're saying it didn't. They're saying it didn't go up at all, that it actually came down. Yet they're saying... In the email, it went up 403%, but that's not 600 and some percent. Uh, it's still up. I, I don't you know, have a problem with that. Novo is currently defending itself against eight lawsuits in the United States, which are related to its pricing of diabetes medicine. According to its annual report, Eli Lilly and Sanofi are also defendants in those cases. Um, and this, uh, this article was from Medscape and Reuters Health Information uh, and the... Uh, the writer was uh, Nikolaj Skidsgard. Skidsgard. Obviously, he was over where Novo is. So I'll give credit to the author I, for that. I just went over and grabbed my phone because I was like, these guys have to have been sued a million times already. I was just looking up if there were any lawsuits against Novo. Like, if you, <laughs> you can only try that move so many times of like, like, no, we're not. Yeah. Like, so how many times did you find? Well, I, I I mean, sounds like there's a lot more than, than yeah. what I found, but <laughs> the, the, the first link that I clicked was um, they're being sued by their shareholders even. Me. Because they're uh, uh, over-reporting their sales, I guess. Like, they're not selling as much, huh. pro probably because it's overpriced. Um, yeah. Well, I like how my pharmacy says price... Uh, Prices dependent on insurance. Price may vary due to insurance. Due to insurance, right? Because so. of of the um, discount and the um, the other thing that. So I was looking at it, and ironically, with my Medicaid, when I had a Medicaid, my price was a lot more than it was with my PPO. There's about a hundred and fifty dollar price difference. The price that you paid, or the price that was paid for it. The price that was paid for it. Right. Right, because that all depends on what the deal was and the pharmacy benefits management discount yeah. to um, put it on the formulary. Yeah, yeah. so it was almost seven fifty with the state insurance right. versus my six eighteen with my PPO. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean and that, that whole process of the pharmacy benefit management discount and um, all of that is it, 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 it's ridiculous. They're, it is. If my doctor wants me on a certain insulin, they do for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, not they don't care whether it's cheaper or whatever. They want what's going to yeah. work best for me. And like for you, you have to keep flipping and flopping mm -hmm. because of your resistance. Yeah. Um, so my doctor had to then write a narrative. She, right. we're actually in the process of doing narratives for my insurance because right. I had to switch again. Right. 
Right, and, and, and... They're like, well, why is she... They don't want to pay because I've gotten the generic before, but now I'm resistant to it, so right. I have to switch back to the name brand. And you can't, you can't um, do that, like, preemptively. You have to wait oh. till it's time for you to change for them to say no so yeah. that she can write the letter. And that, that you know, that, that that's a flaw in our system. It is a huge flaw because my prescription's on hold until they get that narrative. Right. And so now you're using resistant insulin. Yeah. That's not working as well for you. And so your blood sugars are probably not as stable. Exactly. Um, I mean, the same thing. I'm checking more and taking more. Right. So I'm going to go through my prescription faster and they're exactly. still going to deny me due to frequency so right and so now, now she's got to write them and say no she needs this amount of insulin um yeah it's 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 really a bad situation i mean i've been in that where i've gone to get refills mm-hmm. and they're like oh it's too early well my refrigerator's empty yeah i do not have any more insulin well it's too early and my favorite is when it's the shorter months there's only 29, 30 days. Oh, well, you still have one day until we can refill it. While I'm out of insulin, can you refill it at, like, midnight? Like, right, I'll just wait here. I'll just, um, like, what am, what am I supposed to do? I'm out of insulin. Yeah. Well, you can pay for it out of pocket, but I have my insurance. Yeah, well, they'll pay you back. Yeah, but I don't have $300. Yeah. You know, um, so I, I um, refilled my pumps Friday. Now, last time I refilled it, it was 90 some dollars. Like, Cool. Mm-hmm. I like that. So that's what I was planning on. So I called the pharmacy and she's like, okay, that'll be $225. Hmm. What happened to the $97? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. She says, the first time you filled it, it was $225. And the second time it was $97. Now it's $225 again. But I wasn't planning on $225. You're only. I was planning on $97. So now, you know, I'm $225 short for this month because I had to put that out. Isn't that great when that happens? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's the, the system, our system is skewed. But for, for those of you parents or, or even you, you doobies that are semi-adults or take care of your own things, um, if you do go to the pharmacy and it's too early or you've used up your allotment and you need more, um, the pharmacist can override that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, why they don't do it willingly just say, oh, I'll just override it for you. You have to ask them to do it. Um, but they will contact your insurance and say, they're out. We need to fill it. Yeah. And insurance will authorize it. You're going to pay your copay or whatever, but It'll get you're going to get it filled and get it authorized. So. And a lot of pharmacies, you have to ask them. You have to ask them. They and you have to be nice volunteer. about it. Yes. Be nice. Don't get an attitude. I have... Don't get stressed out. Don't get frustrated. Keeping my fair share of attitudes to the pharmacists, but um, yes, you have to be nice and you have to ask. And um, and and again, for pharmacy things, um, it's really best to use the same pharmacy for mm-hmm. for everything for your needs. I mean, not necessarily your family or whatever, but don't go pharmacy shopping. Don't because um, you're going to get your prescriptions lost. Uh, yeah, and. You're not going to develop a relationship with the pharmacist and really develop the relationship with the pharmacist um, because they're going to help you. Yeah. If, if you're friendly with them and they know you, they know your situation, they're going to help you. Um, and I was fortunate in Baltimore, my pharmacist was also a T1. Oh, nice. Um, and so she and I, we went to the same doctor and well, same practice at least. And uh, she was very helpful. And so, um, yeah, we we had that good relationship, and I try 
to develop a relationship with a pharmacist mm -hmm. um, whenever I can because they can be helpful. Um, so um, the last thing, and this is just a little. Hold on, let's see what Trevor's pondering. So uh, there was a, so there was a, a, a big class action suit filed back in 2017 by a bunch of patients in a federal court and that uh, advanced to a RICO, which is a racketeering wow. investigation oh. by the federal government that, that was filed in 2020 and uh, had some developments last summer. Okay. Um, uh, they're now, you know, the big th three are facing racketeering and bribery and wire fraud. Um, organized crime charges, the insulin mafia. Insulin mafia. <laughs> um, uh, that they're like, you know, getting kickbacks from the insurance companies and stuff like that. Um, and uh, yeah, they're in they're in some serious hot water right now, which is probably why they had to issue yonder statement. Yep, that's good. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is good. That's very good, but if it doesn't help us, it doesn't really matter. Right. So, um, you know, they'll find ways. That they'll pay their fines. They will whatever. add something to the formula. They'll get their ticket. And right. to the formula exactly. of, or the process of uh, making the insulin, and that will therefore change the insulin and allow it to be a new prescription, a new biosimilar, um, which will allow them to jack the price up, and that's how they function. So unless they put those kind of protections in the suit, um, they're going to find their way to raise the price. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to find a way to you know, find the money to live or to keep our children alive. Or, yep. You know. So I'm oh. excited to talk about what you got next. You like this one? Yes. All right. So hopefully, um, so we use Anchor as our podcast host and um, they've been going the way of um, Facebook and kind of flagging um, podcasts that talk about COVID. Well, we're going to talk about COVID. <laughs> so again, this is, this one actually might have been from, um, well, this is from JDRF. It is. Yes. That's why you're excited because it's from JDRF. Yes, I am. Um, What's JDRF? Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Ma. So, um, They're my favorite. They're her favorite. That's right. Um, the CDC study, children who have recovered from COVID-19 may be at increased risk of diabetes. This was published January 10th of 2022 um, in Awareness, Coronavirus, Coronavirus Life with T1D and Research. Um, so researchers with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention report that children who have recovered from COVID-19 may be at an increased risk of being diagnosed with diabetes. Uh, the CDC's analysis was published in the organization's January 7th, 2022 edition of Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. It's always a fun read. I know. <laughs> look forward to it coming out every week. Um, the New York Times reported the results back in January 7th. See, even the New York Times were even excited about it. They reported. Um, so did I get that article? No, because I have to subscribe to it and I'm not doing that. Uh, according to the New York Times, though, the article says the CDC study Whoops. is among the first to examine large insurance claim databases in the United States to estimate the prevalence of new diabetes diagnosis in children under the age of 18 who had COVID or are known to be infected with the coronavirus. 
It's important to note that the study, which does not differentiate between type 1 and type 2 or any other form of diabetes, only highlights an association borne out in the data examined. The study does not identify how COVID-19 could cause or provide evidence that it does cause an increased risk of diabetes in children. Uh, the research organization, JDRF, will continue to analyze and update our community about these and other data related to COVID-19, said Sanjoy Dutta, PhD Vice President, Research at JDRF. Other data globally have shown an association between COVID-19 and diabetes onset, and we are in discussions with clinical leaders to further assess the evidence. In the meantime, we urge the public to be alert of signs of T1D and take steps such as vaccination to protect you and your loved ones. Um, so that's really interesting. I also read another article. I thought I had printed it out um, uh, from the uh, Medscape of a pedi pediatric group, a large pediatric group, who was seeing uh, increased numbers of their patients uh, post-COVID uh, developing type 1. So they did differentiate it. Now there was nothing official. They didn't do any real studies or anything, but they did call around to their colleagues in other practices and ask them what they were seeing. And they were seeing the same thing. This was in the United States. I think it was in Texas. Um, they were seeing the same thing arise post-COVID children developing type 1 diabetes. Um, I wonder what the deal is. Well, Wait, so. Good. I have an idea. Okay. So I haven't, like, okay, so experiencing everything that I experienced. My, your COVID experience, you Yeah. You're not going to get T1, trust me. Oh, I know. Yeah. Okay. Darn that look. <laughs> um, your body, I think it just depends on the where the COVID is exactly attacking your body. It's okay. attacking everybody differently. Mm -hmm. So my theory is, is it already, is it attacking the pancreas of kids that are already have it in their system and they're going to get it later in life? You mean that may be prone to developing type 1? Yes. Genetically prone Genetically to it? Genetically prone to okay. it. And it's jump-starting everything, sending mm -hmm. them into DKA. Because, yeah. um, so I, re I read another article as we were talking. Um, <laughs> it's went up 33%. Okay. Juvenile diabetes diagnosis with COVID wow. has went up 33%. So I wonder if it's just an underlying issue that's already genetically there yep. and COVID being as severe as it is or as damaging as it can be, mm -hmm. it's already, it's going to attack that and it's going to jumpstart the diabetes. Could is be. it a thing for diabetes to kind of arise after other stresses? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's it then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, definitely. but we, they, they do know that there is a correlation between the development of diabetes um, and COVID, obviously, but they see it more in adults than the kids. Um, but they, they understand some of the mechanism mm -hmm. that it is, but it, it, it certainly could be that they, they're genetically predisposed um, and they may have antibodies already, you know, and they're doing a lot of research with that. Yeah. You know, again, talking about research, if that's something that you're into, you're, you're interested and in, you have, you know, say a child or a parent who's, who's type one, um, get your antibodies tested. TrialNet um, does that um, because they're trying to get this large database to see um, in families with diabetes where it's developing and they, they you know, um, 
they just draw blood and check the antibodies. You did it with Noelle, didn't you? Didn't you do antibody tests? Yeah, we did her? antibody tests on her when she was younger. Right. So um, because they want to see, is it developing? Is the body creating um, this resistance to yeah, it? Yeah, and they didn't. And so, so she, she was good. She's she was dead. clear. She's normal. But you did it. And so yeah. it's on file. And you know, if she needs to do it again, I'll have something to compare it with. Yeah. So we so. did have that baseline. That was important to me yeah. when yeah, I had her. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so... Yeah, it's a shame. Um, COVID is causing a lot of problems, and like the article said, get vaccinated. Um, the um, the stealth variant, which is a subset of Omicron. The who? The stealth variant. Stealth. It's Omicron, but it's a it's a a stronger Omicron. It's so a stuffed Omicron. It, it hasn't um, progressed to the next letter, um, but um, the stealth variant is in all fifty states of the United States now. So it is here, uh, and you know, anecdotally, my experience um, working COVID mitigation, uh, the the folks who have been <sighs> vaccinated up to date—that's the correct terminology. Uh, the meaning they've had uh, the Moderna or the Pfizer two plus one booster, or the J and J one plus one booster. Um, so you've had all the things you could have. Um, if they developed Omicron, they developed really mild symptoms and for a shortened amount of time. But folks that uh, have not had the complete series or had it at all, it, they might as well just gotten Delta. Um, it, it, it's bad. Uh, and the folks actually that have not had it, they're the ones that are in the hospital. That have not gotten vaccinated at all, there's the ones in the hospital and they're wondering whether they're coming out. So um, yeah, I have a personal friend who died two weeks ago because he chose not to get vaccinated. Um, and, uh, he's no longer with us. So uh, please get your vaccination. Um, check your local health department um, and, and find out where you can get vaccinated. Most of the pharmacies are doing it. You just have to make an appointment or some of them are doing walk-ins. But if you haven't gotten it or you haven't gotten your booster and it's been five months since you've gotten the last of the second series, um, please get that booster. It, it's really important uh, to keep you protected. Uh, and if you have diabetes, all, all the more reason, um, because it will wreak havoc on your diabetes if you develop it, um, and you don't want to have that. So you also don't want to go to the hospital. So uh, that's the last place you want to be. Hospital is no place to be sick. So um, with that being said, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're glad that uh, you're back with us. We're glad to be back. And uh, we have another show um, coming up in two weeks, and we look forward to having you. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at that one type podcast at gmail.com and uh, send us a note. Um, we look forward to hearing from you and finding out what's going on. We got some, some guests coming up, uh, some, uh, some Instagram influencers as well. And if you haven't listened to Paul, please go listen to the Paul Pritchard podcast. He's a really great guy out of Wales. Um, doesn't have a real strong accent, so he's not hard to listen to, um, but he's had it for longer than I have. Uh, and he's a really cool guy who has some really interesting concepts on diabetes and management. And, um, so give him a listen as well. So, all right, my friends, anything to say? Nope. Thank you for listening. We appreciate y'all. We do. Trev? Keep on looping. Keep on looping, yeah. All right, with that, peace. Bye. Love you.